Welcome to episode 218 of Texting, hosted by me, Justin Vincent, and him, Jason Roberts. Hello, Jason, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Texting. How are you today? I'm uh, happy to be here. Good. How's it going? Why so happy? Well, I just got back from a, uh, a big trip to San Francisco. Yeah. And uh, I'm just kind of recovering from that. You know, you know tra- sometimes you just travel and it's just really intense. This just takes like a day just to... Yeah, relax. Be back in nice Southern California, sunny Southern California. Yeah, feels good. Before we get to that, I was noticing your uh, your iPad. That <laughs> <laughs> is this. This is like the version one. Yeah, and that thing looks like a frying pan. <laughs> I mean, so I if mean, someone com- broke in your house, you just beat them over the head with I that. Mean, You'd compared be- to your sleek and sexy iPad that that you got from the donations from Texting, that mine is a piece of crap. Well, you know, actually, I think like you know we talked about what would be the ultimate weapon against zombies. Oh, iPads. I think you just smash them. If we were surrounded by zombies, as you talked about, you presented the scenario, like, what would we do if we were trapped in your apartment Yeah, and surrounded by zombies? I'd say, well, look, just grab this frying pan of an iPad and you just crack them over the head and the way out we'd be set. I don't screw the samurai sword and the sniper rifle. I don't know. Your your iPad would work as a good sword. Mine would work as a good brick. <laughs> it's a frying yeah, It's a mallet. <laughs> Jesus Christ, thing is... Wow, you got to hold on with two hands. Yeah, no, that... Yeah. <laughs> My fingers get tired. Just like if I watch a movie in, in bed, like my chest gets really like, oh, it's 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 like holding a weight or something. <laughs> no, I was just watching a show. I can't remember what it was like, uh, last night. And it wasn't that old. It was made, in, you know, around 2000 or something. Yeah. And they had CRT monitors. You know, 2000 and 2000 seems like a really modern time, doesn't it? Yeah. The year 2000. Like that's modern era. Well, if you look at it, I mean, the, the, the hair, hairstyles and the clothing isn't really that different. I mean, you, yeah. you have to look closely. I mean, maybe women could look at it and go, well, that's out of style. But you and I would look at it and go, oh, it looks, yeah. I can wear that. That's <laughs> no problem. Yeah. You know, but the, the, then they show the CRT monitors. You're like, whoa, man. Yeah. <laughs> that monitor's huge. <laughs> no, but also if they're on the cell, right? It's always a flip phone in, those, yeah. in, in that era. Because smartphones weren't pre- uh, proliferated by them. <laughs> he watched like an early version of the X-Files and, and Mulder pulls out his brick of a cell phone. You, you know uh, what I was thinking? Uh, this is like, I'm related to what we're talking about now, but I was thinking it anyway. Nothing is related to anything <laughs> we're talking about, so it doesn't matter. Right, so uh, on last week's show with Rob Walling, um, we did a little rec- recap about Hit Tale, right? That was good because people who hadn't heard his re- Hit Tale uh, story were good. So right. we did that five minutes. And I'm thinking we kind of need something like that for texting, and I have an idea how we could do that, right? Okay. Obviously, you can't do a recap of texting in five minutes because we've got 200 episodes under our belt. And we got about 200 different uh, storylines, right? But what we could do, and this would be good, is we could do a two-hour show that was an introduction to texting where we went through all 200 episodes and lo- looked at, kind of skimmed them and spoke about each little piece for like a couple of hours. Right. So it's like an intro to texting, a two-hour intro to texting, and then new list. We could say at the beginning of every show, okay, this is a kind of crazy show. You know, you're not going to know what the F we're talking about, but just go and listen to this one episode, and then that's going to clue you into the rest of the show. That's a great idea. I, I would uh, do that under one circumstance. Awesome. I want you to get the sound effect from Lost, 
and remember the way they would do the ketchup shows? Oh yeah. Show like the, the <laughs> it was like the jet wash, like the the you know, the jet sound. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like between every little between every it. little piece. Okay. Yeah. I'm you do. You more do than the, happy to do you, that. You because you've never really done sound effects, and I think we need add some sound effects in, and I think that would be perfect. for one show. Right, well, not for every one, show. Well, if you do it for one show, then every once in a while you go, okay, I can do it again. All but right. right now, for the first one, you're like, I don't know where am I going to get it and how am I going to well, do it. Well, if we get an editor like the way, you know, like how Rob, Robin. <laughs> Dude, you're a good editor. Cut it out. You can do it. Right, no I guess. I mean, it's like one sound effect. Yeah, but I'm building startups. I don't want to edit, do sound it's, effects it's, it's on should, podcasts. It'll take you like 20 minutes. You'll figure it out. You'll go hunt it down. You'll you'll have fun cutting it in and it'll, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Yeah, just like it takes 20 minutes to like polish an HTML element on a page to make it look exactly the way you want. That doesn't take two or three hours. Yeah, I know. I, I've never, I've never, I've never started a project thinking it would ever take me longer than two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to one of the uh, developers, um, when uh, open Uber yeah. yesterday, and he goes, he was telling me about this uh, component or this library he built, and he was kind of strutting around and he's excited about it. You know, he's like, yeah, they're this, and he's like, he's like, yeah, but uh, it took longer than I thought. <laughs> like, yeah, you can put that on your tombstone. Yeah, you know, it took longer than I thought. You can put right? that on Jason's tomb, definitely. But any of us, anyone who anyone who builds or makes something, yeah, it just it, it took longer than I thought. But there are times where things take quicker than you think, like a little feature fix, bug fixes. Yeah, well, bug fixes, feature fixes, you know, little hacks and things like that. But like, rarely is the overall entirety of a project well, uh, to take take less yeah, time than you thought. No, you're because right. Yeah, I, so, you know what takes sometimes I get there faster is uh, prototyping something. But then you're absolutely right. The whole project, the business, all the things. Because yeah. you can't fit it all in your head. Yeah. You just can't. Your, our brain can only um, hold so much information about something and, and you just can't. So it was like, remember when we were um, listing all of the uh, tasks we had to do for Anyfoot at one point? Yeah. And we were putting estimates on everything. And uh, I think I beat almost every one of your estimates. You're like, I'll take an hour and a half. I'm like, I'll take an hour and I knock out 45. Well, that's or, good. I mean, all these estimates. See, you always like, you, you got this impression that I was slow. Because I take a long time to do things, and it was usually because I was doing a lot more things. <laughs> was yeah. it that I was slow in doing the task? Is like I was balancing it with a bunch of other work or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it it yeah, that's true. But the um, anyway, so I like the catch up show. Okay, I really like that. Let's do, let's do that in the next week or two. Let's get something like that. I think it'd be great because we have at least we have probably. 10 primary storylines. We've probably got an auxil- another 20 auxiliary storylines. Right. And we have to pick what are the important pieces that people need to, would really help people get into the show. Like red helium or what's, the, what's that stuff called? Red helium. Like helium on the, you, like using helium he- three? Helium three. That was it. I don't know why I said red. <laughs> sounds like a good, uh, sounds like a, good like, you, like using, like powering, powering the world by using helium three. For example, that's just a random concept that, that we've sounds- spoken about. Red Helium sounds like a name of an album or a movie or something. <laughs> like yeah. Speaking of, have you seen, I was, when I was up at Uber, uh, Oliver, one of the uh, developers, was he was kind of playing the uh, the role of um, like a DJ, but for um, movie trailers. Oh, yeah. We were all sitting, it was at the end of a day, it was like 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. And funny, it's, at Uber, all the lights automatically shut off. And so it gets really kind of dark. I mean, the monitors are glow. And, you oh, know, it's like sexy the, time. But you can, it's kind of relaxing, right? It's like <laughs> 6 o'clock. And then, you know, people start, you know, doing things like, eh, you know, screwing around. So we're all sitting watching the trailers for all of these upcoming movies. And uh, there's World War Z coming up. You know, we're talking about our zombie. Oh, story. yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a Brad Pitt thing where it's like, you know, zombies take over the world and... And uh, it looked good. Yeah. If you're a zombie fan like me, yeah. it looked good. I'm, I'm all over it. 
So, uh, yeah. So what's, what's new with you? I mean, I got a ton of stuff, but I, I don't want to, uh, well, we just had the, the Uber media party, which was a lot of fun. Um, I had a few drinks too many. I was in a foosball championship. Are you a foosball player? I, well, no, I, I didn't used to be, but I am now. So Uber has a foos table, foosball yeah, table. Yeah. And I've been like the, the ringer up there. I went up there and I just slam dunk people, you know? Oh, you're good. You're good at yeah, foosball. Yeah. 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 Because I've what, never, have you played it before? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I played many, many, many hours. Like, I, I can't do that basic. Th- I mean, yeah, I know you're a spinner or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can like rocket it from the back and you can barely see the ball and it'll just slam into the back so hard it'll <laughs> pop out. People are like, holy crap. <laughs> well, I mean, like, so I, I went, uh, I was um, paired with a guy called Brian because we had this championship, this tournament uh-huh. and I entered the tournament. And, you gotta uh, get me in there. I'll bring me in as your ringer. I'm telling you, I would I'll, totally I'll, do we'll, that. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll no, hustle people. I'll pretend like I'm not that good. <laughs> that would be I mean? really good. So basically, we called ourselves the Humbles. Okay. And we we lost our first match. Okay. So we, that was it. But it was it was a lot that of was fun. it. That was it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Not watching. much of a tournament for you, huh? No, not so much. But I mean, like I said, I haven't played before. I mean, like, you know that thing where you you have the ball and then you kind of put the player's foot on it to stop it. Then you yes. kind of push it sideways and then hit it forward. Yes. yes. Right. That's yeah. something I don't know how to do. You it know, it takes a while to learn that. Most people don't. That's a waste. That's a misspent youth. I, I think that you've got right. Well, there. that's what I was saying. I said the reason that all these guys at Uber suck at foosball is that they're all doing their homework, going to class. Right. Well, right. see, I learned to play when I was like at the uh, skating rink growing up. So I was really good for you know like 10, 11, 12, 13 range. Yeah. And so the teenagers who were like 17, 18, 19. Those guys, they'd be like, hey, Jason, come over. You play defense for us. So I was the one kid. And of course, that was really cool for me, right? So I'm there on a Friday or Saturday night, and the, and the, the, the oldest, coolest guys in the whole rank are like, hey, come on over here and play play, uh, play defense. And so I got you know, good that way. So I, w- I didn't play really much. I played some in college because my, one of my best friends was really good. And, um, and uh, anyway, so I hadn't really played much since then. But I got up there and I kind of, I kind of like worked through everybody who they thought was good. Finally, bring the French guy, Gabriel. Like, ah, oh, you know, the French guy. They do a lot of foosball in France, right? <laughs> and I took him down without too much trouble. And so okay. I'm like, and so I, I go to Curtis. So Curtis is the VP of engineering, and he's like on a hiring bench. And I'm like, so, I'm like, so Curtis, when are you going to hire someone to play some foosball? And I mean, you know, <laughs> and he's like, I'll beat you. I'm like, what are you talking about? So we go sit down. Took me down. Oh, he was good, huh? Took me down. I was like, well, what the hell? I mean, it was close. The first game, he got me pretty good, like 7-3. to three. The second game, he beat me by one point. Yeah. But he he grew up playing a lot as a kid, and I think he was like a counselor, one of the people who worked at like these boys and girls youth centers. Yeah. Many, many hours, stayed around playing foosball with kids all day. And then I think a lot of the startups he'd worked at before all had foosball tables, so. Yeah. They, so I, I, I got I got I got a little full of myself. As soon as soon as I like start thinking I'm good, I get knocked down. That's just the story. It's always been my experience. So I, I talked I started talking shit about my foosball and then I get slammed. Well, you know, I had that same experience with uh table tennis. Mm-hmm. Um now actually twice. Uh but the first time in Ireland, uh I had I had always thought I was a pretty good table tennis player and basically I'd always beaten everyone I'd ever met, mm-hmm. including one guy who was very athletic kind of sporty guy who really thought that he knew how to play table tennis at uh at work in my old Reed Elsevier. And we 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 had a big showdown and I mean it was it was tough, but I, I beat him. But then I when I went to Ireland I, I joined a table tennis club mm-hmm. and because I thought, you know, I'm pretty good at table tennis and I couldn't beat the worst person there. I mean, I was definitely no good compared to the, the people who really cared about it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. That's been my experience, too. Like you can be the big fish in a small pond and then you once you, you go into 
a pond with people who are good at something. Yeah. It's a whole different. But then, then like three years ago, we went to that thing in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember what it was like. Ink, paper, dark, 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 dark stock. Yeah. So I hadn't played played table tennis for a couple of years, but I knew I would, I thought I was going to be good, but I was so out of shape. Like if I was, if I was back in, you know, I don't know if you'd go back five years, I would have beaten that guy really easily, but I was so out of shape. I couldn't even get the ball. So now table tennis for me, I'm going to, you know, hopefully once my personal trainer, and all that stuff kind of comes into effect. See, I'm, I'm imagining the Rocky music playing. You're like doing sit-ups and like doing sit-ups with like each. You you have like a, pa- a paddle in each hand as you're doing sit-ups. I'm just I'm just singing the music while you're. Uh, yeah, <laughs> while you're talking the that's good stuff. Talking the smack. Yeah, you got me kind of fired up. Now I'm all. Uh, so. All right, so hold on, hold on. Before before you say anything else, we got a great, uh, obviously a lovely donation from. Um, who is it? You've got cash. It says Nicholas Murray or Murray Nicholas. Not quite sure which way around. Let's see. Yeah, Nicholas Murray. So he says, uh, I'm a computer programmer from Northern Ireland, a big fan of the show. Listen to every single one, apart from the Lost episode. <laughs> I forgot about the Lost episode. <laughs> yeah. right. So um, he's uh, donating to celebrate his 40th birthday. So happy birthday. Um, obviously, today isn't his birthday. Not your birthday, Nicholas, but happy birthday to you anyway. For your past birthday. Wow. Yeah. 40. Thank you very much. Happy birthday. And so you've got, he's got some advice, some unsolicited advice. You know what? We are the only unsolicited advisors. We don't. <laughs> so he's got, he's got some, and okay. I'm going to actually take some of his unsolicited advice. But okay. the first thing he says is, he actually has a question. Um, Jason, I have a non-tech related question. Okay. As an Ireland fan, I would like to know what Jason thinks of Robbie Keane's contribution to LA Galaxy. You know, I, yeah, you forwarded me that email a few days ago, and I wish I had a better answer. So I'm not a real big spectator of sports. I tend to play them a lot, and I don't, but not watch them so much. Where most of my friends, yeah, the sports that they play, they watch them avidly. They know all the players, they know the tables and everything. Where I don't really so much. You're not but, a fan. You're not <laughs> a fan. You're a something different. An individualist. I don't know. <laughs> Lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always make fun of me about Uber because I, cause I'm always so uh, une- disengaged from Git. They're like, because I, I said something I'll say, uh, to Amos yesterday. I said, oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll rebase. I'll just rebase it onto the, onto your branch. He's like, did you just say rebase? <laughs> hey, Curtis. So he goes, to the Jason just said rebase. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so back to answer, answer, answer his question. Um, I, I saw one game on TV recently, and uh, he and, the, and Robbie Keane scored a goal and looked really good. I was like, "Who the hell is that guy?" And uh, he looked like a good player. That said, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot. I mean, I, we used to have season tickets to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, back before the kids were born, and then until maybe we took we had tickets for until Colby's maybe into his second year because by then it was just too hard to bring him to the games. But it was funny. I had to go and watch the games, but I wasn't following the league tables. Like, what place is, is the You just like to watch the footwork or the way that things were happening on the pitch. At I just time. watch the game. I mean, you know, the thing with soccer in the U.S., I mean, or with MLS, Major League Soccer, is there were so few teams until recently, it just didn't matter, right? There's like 10 teams. Yeah. It's just kind of hard to get too fired up about it. You know, if it's, if it's like, you know, football and baseball and basketball and you got 30 teams or 36 or whatever it is. Do you think soccer's finally gaining some ground? Because they always make fun of it on SNL and things like that when they'll say, oh yeah, it's like soccer will never take off in the US. But you think that it, it Slowly has a but surely. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, it, I mean, it's it's getting there. Every, every year it gets a little more popular and the base gets a little stronger and there are more teams. And yeah, I think I think it's, you know, it's it's 
you know, it's it's the kind of thing that'll take you know a generation or two. It's just gonna. It's not like in ten, twenty years. I mean, you have to. It's the kids who grew up playing start. They like it enough. They kind of start watching it as adults. Yeah. You know, but the, a lot of the adult population, the people in their forties and fifties, didn't really play so much soccer. Yeah. So why would they get into it? So they're just eh, you know they watch football, baseball. But yeah. it's 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 slowly. It, it will be probably in another twenty years. It'll it, it will ha- it will it will probably make it into like a, something that they'll commentate about on ESPN <laughs> rarely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not like just like a occasionally you happen to see you see scores on the bottom like they cover. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, NASCAR, right? I think it'll break in and maybe 10 years or maybe sooner it'll, it'll take, it'll catch up to where hockey is maybe. So then he says he has some unsolicited advice for me. So Nicholas, his advice is that I should change the name of Double Dollar to Jefferson <laughs> after the president featured on the $2 note, which I think is kind of cool. So I've already done that. Oh, really? Yeah, I've done that? it. Changed the name to Jefferson, put it on GitHub. So you can find it on github.com forward slash jv2222 slash Jefferson. There you go. That's clever. I mean, having a clever name usually has an effect. And <laughs> double dollar, it's like, well, what, you know, like, how do you spell? You know, that's probably when they came up with C sharp originally. Yeah. It was like, how do I, because you, you couldn't, they didn't have the hash mark and search engine. It was hard to search by that. Yeah, yeah, CNN, right. So they okay. could write out C sharp. It just. But Jefferson sounds a bit more classy as well. Kind of reminds me of like Raphael, like the vector graphics yeah. SVG library or something. So I think I think uh, Nicholas did me a favor there. Thanks very much, Jefferson. Yeah, yeah Jefferson. Well, I, you know, Guyon's been working on an HTML5 app, and uh, I've done a little bit of uh, work on one. And you know, I'm just I'm not I'm not real impressed with jQuery Mobile, and I think that I think you need to have a uh, um, a give Guyon a tutorial with Jefferson. Yeah, with Jefferson. I like when you say it. Mm-hmm. Hey, did I, I, I did I show you that? I mean, I haven't shown you the completed advertise app, have I? No. Okay, check this out. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna just give it to you to use. So this is something that. Uh, well, I guess I'm not gonna say anything more than the name because it's a uh, project for Ruby Media. Okay, so I've just shown Jason my brand new HTML5 app that I've done for Ruby Media. I don't want to get into the details too much, but it it answers some of the questions that the complaints that we had about the previous app, which was Splitsville which was there was no transitions, there was no connecting to the internet. This does all that. Jason, would you say this feels like native. a good app? Native? native. The only thing I gave it away was the the uh, the next preview done on the uh, um, keyboard. Oh, yeah. That that's is the, the only thing. That. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing. And not that it's a problem. I mean, it's not a really usability problem. That's the only thing that, you know, only sh- that shows up only for web web views. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, you know, it, maybe if, if there could be like a little hack into PhoneGap to get rid of that. But apart from that, the transitions feel smooth, don't they? Oh, yeah. It's great. looks fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Doing a nice job. So let me ask you about uh, about uh, about the app and, and not the specifics, but you went off and built this on your own without even asking Bill Gross. No, no. Uh, the Bill Gross had an idea for, for an app, and this is like a slightly different version of it because we couldn't fulfill all the requirements of that app. So we wanted to. I wanted to create something where people could could use this app, make it really useful. So it's like a, it's like a different tangent on Bill Gross's idea. Okay. But it, it, it came from not just me, like two other people in Uber Media helped to, to think of this idea. Okay, but he was impressed with your execution of it, right? Definitely, Is that what you yeah, said? He was yeah. really excited? Yeah. And it, it sounds like you got it done pretty quickly too. Yeah, it's been done pretty quickly. I mean, I'd say it's taken, because I've been working on other stuff as well, probably a couple of weeks. It's not bad. Very cool. Yeah. So, awesome. uh, so what you were saying about Guyon, you're saying, you know... Yeah, I'm just... Uh, 
I mean, looking at your app, it, it just well, yours isn't PhoneGap. He's running straight on a, as a, on a mobile, just straight on as a mobile app, a web app on the web. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, it's just doesn't have the same level of of slickness. It's not yeah. as slick. Like that, there's no transitions. There's a lot of refreshes, things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's if he's doing it wrong, or jQuery Mobile just has some built-in limitations, or it's because you're running inside a phone gap, a phone gap container, um, or what. But I, I'd like to look at the app and and see if you think you could overcome that stuff. Yeah. Well, I th- I think that a lot of it's down to um, the feel of it. Like, does it feel really slick? And basically, in my opinion, jQuery just doesn't on any level. jQuery Mobile doesn't feel slick on any level. And the re- and, and how could it? Because they're optimizing, like they're optimizing for every platform, right? So they're they're trying to get it on BlackBerry and all these other app platforms and dealing with all the quirks. They're not focusing on making a really nice iOS experience or a really nice Android experience. You think they would just fork and say, "Well, if it's Android, it acts like this. If it's on iPhone, it's an iPhone. Uh, it, it it behaves this way." I guess maybe the other thing is there's not some person who's like, I don't know, like a product owner who's going, look, you know, this is not good enough. Yeah, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. Make it better. Make it better. So that may be what it is. Yeah, because you kind of have that that uh, push and pull between a uh, product person uh, and uh, the engineer. So the engineer um, will often have the perspective like, well, look, this is more maintainable. It's maybe an open standard or it's an open widely used framework it's supportable yeah. it's much easier so they'll they'll use reasoning or rationalizing however you want to look at it of that nature but the product person is like i don't give a crap who wrote the, i don't know how big or widely used their library is i don't care if you write it from scratch this is not good enough because mm-hmm. the clients don't care the users don't care they don't care and 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 but that that and so and so they're pushing like you know they're going well i've seen it a product person will say i've seen it apps that do that don't have that problem yeah or have yeah. this level of sickness yeah what you've created does not have it end mm-hmm. of story mm-hmm. anything else other than the fact that unless you go and say well it's going to cost fifty thousand dollars to make that happen if it's just like well i'm using this other method or that's who cares it's not it shouldn't even be fat it should be this is much less important because it's the quality of the product that matters and and a huge a huge part of the quality of the product is the user experience i mean from the user's perspective that's mostly the product, right? Is their experience using it, right? I mean, you can talk about things about maintainability and stability and, and it's, you know, and how much it costs to get it out and all these kinds of things. But, you know, the user experience itself is absolutely critical. Yeah. And if you have people writing these this code or these libraries and you don't have, like you said, you don't have someone there driving that, you know, pushing and pulling and generally being a big pain in the ass, then you might not reach that level of, of uh, Quality, just like I, you know, as we, if we've heard stories, many stories. I mean, that Steve Jobs was like that. I mean, he was a major pain in the ass about things, but he insisted on certain level, a certain level of perfection that would not have been achieved had he not been there pushing and, and pushing people to reach that level. So, on that note, your Market X app. Can we talk about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you coded up the market x app in titanium yes and has it been released on the app store yet it's going through the process now i think okay. yeah so they're they're having to submit it through the, and that's the they have to set up a corporate account and push it through yeah that's a nice app think so? yeah i like it oh, yeah thanks. and basically that's using titanium so that's like the next level up i guess in between native and html 
and it yeah, seems or, or, yeah next level up from phone gap maybe yeah. phone gap and it's not native but it's 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 more native or more yeah whatever than uh than, than say writing using phone gap but it looks nice yeah i thought it was pretty good i mean you know i you, you know we've talked about my frustrations um with titanium and most of it had to do with um the fact that it was i was having build problems because support stuff it wasn't to do with execution it was like just the support no once you get it to work i mean it was is is pretty is pretty good you know all right well look um let's go through you you said you've got a big list of stuff to do yeah i have a lot of topics not necessarily topics but things i wonder everyone to make sure to 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 bring up so um yes i want to talk about my trip to san francisco go on (laughs) okay yeah so well first thing i want to say is my normal um, routine is to fly up there about once every three to four weeks, fly up on a Wednesday morning around 10 o'clock, it's a 10 o'clock flight, get up there around, you know, noon, a little before noon, you know, get in for a late lunch and then, you know, work. Now, the, I was flying out of Burbank, which is a close, small airport, regional airport, 20 minutes from my house. I could be, get, I could drive in, do like park the car, get a ticket and valet, walk, you know, 50 yards and I'm inside just, you know, inside the, the terminal, walk to security. There's like one person security. Go, you one or two person, people in front of me at most, get in and I'm in. So it's like, it was easy, right? Yeah, that was good. That's a nice experience, yeah. right? But then uh, they, they, the tickets started getting really expensive. Instead of costing $300, $280, they were getting up to like $450, $500, six, it was like $600. Do you think they targeted you? Me specifically, I probably, yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. No, no, but, <laughs> yeah, but when you searched, were you logged in? Probably. I'm I'm serious. Do you think that they looked at like basically they they looked at your behavior and went this okay, guy's going to go do this. This every guy time. does this, so let's try. Let's see what we can do about putting the price up. Wow, I don't know if that's 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 probably illegal. Um, anyway, just the thought. That's, I think that's illegal. Um, so I, what I did is uh, I had to start flying out of LAX, which yeah. for me flying on Wednesday morning meant means like an hour and a half in traffic. Oh man, nice. past so downtown I'm going to LAX. And then, you know, parking, it's fine, hard to find a parking spot. And then there's this massive security line. I mean, it just kind mm-hmm. of sucks, right? And uh, the other problem with generally flying in the mornings into San Francisco is that there's a lot of uh, the fog roll off. And so flights get delayed a lot. Oh. So I would say at least half the time, maybe more, maybe even maybe even 60% of the time, I would uh, I would have to either be waiting on the tarmac for 45 minutes or the flight would be delayed an hour uh-huh. and a half to hours, which sucks. Yeah. You know? So my day gets really compressed on a Friday, Wednesday. Wednesday, instead of going from like a half, half day, goes to like, you know, a few hours in the office of real work, which seems kind of pointless. So your solution was? Well, actually, it was Sandy's solution. She's like, well, why don't you just fly up on a Tuesday night? And I was like, hmm, not a bad idea. So what I did is I took her advice and I took the latest flight. I took a 1045 flight at LAX. No traffic. Made it to LAX in 30 minutes. Yeah, of course. No problem parking. Yeah. Park yeah. right, 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 up close. Walk in. I'm, it's, it's, I walk in and there's no security line. It's me and 10 TSA agents. Oh, that's cool. I was like, who wants some? <laughs> Plenty <to> go around. <laughs> and then I get in and, and I have the whole row to myself and the row behind me and the row in front oh, of me is good. there. So I had like the whole back of the plane. I'm like, this is, this is good stuff. So, and then, you know, of course getting, uh, and then I take an Uber and I got there and check in. So I'm like, it kind of sucked in that I didn't get to sleep till one, but it's not that late. Like I get into the hotel about twelve thirty, and then I'm at the office the next morning at eight thirty or nine in the morning and yeah. ready to roll. So that's my new. That's much hack. better. So you're leaving after Catalyst then, after our Tuesday Catalyst class. Yeah, so our Tuesday Catalyst class runs from five thirty to seven thirty. Come home, grab dinner, maybe take a shower or whatever. Pack, you know, say goodnight, kids. How often do you go down? Every two weeks. 
three every three to four weeks depending okay, on weeks, how yeah. things line up yeah just about enough i mean when we first set up this sort of consulting contract uh when um travis the ceo of uber and i negotiated it i mean he just i mean he thought three to three weeks or so would be a good rhythm to keep me in sync with everybody yeah has it turned out that way oh absolutely yeah i think it's 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 really turned out to be a big deal because they're growing so quickly mm-hmm. and that I think it just, it was just cited in an article I read today in like Newsweek. It was 26% a month. So, so, so every time I go up, there's five new engineers. Yeah. Like who the hell are all these people? You know, it's like, and they're what, like, who's this guy? It's like whack-a-mole. I thought I got you, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's just so many in designers. And now it's just, I used to like come in and try and say hello to some of the new people. Now I don't even try. There's so many new people. It's just, this is kind of remember that story you told me about Chuck. You'd, you'd call up the support team and you'd look at just pass me to Chuck. You're Chuck <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for yeah. Uber. You're Uber's Chuck. Like they'll be t- someone will be talking about the dispatch system. They'll say just go and talk to Jason. <laughs> uh, that's I like that's flattering. I don't know. There there are a few smart developers working on it now, so that's probably right. no longer the case. I'm just the guy who wrote who laid down the the city streets. Like okay. this is where the streets. This is where the piping. This is how everything. You know. So you. Uh, you know, I built like the first real and structured everything for the first okay. and worked on it primarily for the first six months to a year. And now, of course, three or four people work on it, primarily three other people who work on it all the time. So you didn't just see Uber, right? You had some fun meetups with people and you gave a talk. Yeah. OK, so um, one thing that I've done a really bad job of is is sort of setting up um, lunches or, or dinners with people. I know I know enough people in San Francisco that um, that I like and would like to see that I would have no problem, you know, filling up those slots with fun people to talk to. Yeah. Except I, I'm so lazy and such a bad <laughs> planner that I'd show up and I'd be eating lunch and dinner alone, which is really lame, right? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or not lunch. Sometimes lunch I could always eat with one of the guys at Uber, but, you know, dinner is just like, you know. You're just, you're not maximizing your life that way. No, it's just, yeah, it's just stupid. So I said this time... Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a better job of it. And actually it, it, what kicked it off is, um, a, a guy, um, Pete Kim, who I had m- had lunch with, or I'm sorry, I had dinner with like a, you know, a couple months back. He emailed me and said, Hey, you're going to be in town and you come up to San Francisco anytime soon. We should get together. And I was like, yeah, come up next week. Let's do something. And then I was like, and I started, I started thinking, I'm really looking forward to having dinner with him. He's a really f- smart, interesting, fun guy to talk to. And so I was like, yeah, I want to have like more than just one of those dinners. Like I want to, so I started thinking, so I go, who else can I you know, talk to. So one, I set up dinner with uh, Taylor Norris, also known as the depressed designer. One of our other storylines. Yeah. So he is the creator of print friendly, which is quite a successful little, uh, lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. I would, I was the way I would describe it. And, uh, so I, I, I've had dinner with him once before. So we had sit down with him and I emailed, um, Jeremy Howard, the CTO of Kaggle. Yeah. So Jeremy Howard, he's also the, he was also the creator of fast mail which was sort of a precursor to like Gmail. I really liked, uh, I really liked talking to him actually, the interview we did. Like he's, he's the kind of guy I'd like to have lunch with as well. Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah. Really. So I don't think he's like a physicist or something like that. He, his background, his, his education anyway. And he's very, very bright guy. And he also started some big um, analytics company that was sold to some insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, of course, just became CTO of Kaggle. He won a couple of competitions before he joined. Yeah. And um, it's funny, you know, so he's like, actually a an australian he's an australian but he's also a geek and you don't have a lot of nerdy geeky australians right they just seemed at odds right most <laughs> australians just seem like eh, no worries mate you know they're like real kind of 
outgoing social, but he's a little. But we have a we do have quite a few Australian geeks uh, who listen to the show. Well, I don't mean that they're not. I'm sure there are people in Australia who like technology and yeah. are, are technically sophisticated, but I mean are actually kind of socially the the, the sort of stereotypical <laughs> geek, right? right okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, and I, I uh, scheduled a breakfast with him. Who else did I do? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and so, was, was that good? Did you have a nice chat with him? Oh, yeah. And the other thing is I set up, yeah, so I'll just kind of go through it. So, um, Wednesday night, I went and had dinner with Pete Kim. He's the CT, CEO and founder of Mighty Hive. Cool. So that was a good chat? Yeah. Well, he's one of these guys that like you just have like the two-hour conversation and it's just like no dead air, just complete <laughs> mind blast. He's just blasting of information. Just, he just He's the person you start talking to and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know. Like, it's like he knows what you're going to say before you finish it and he already, he already knows three things related to it and a follow-up. And, you're just, and so it's like this real high – so I start explaining something and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'll start saying it to me like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So bang, 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 bang. So it was really funny. And it, so it's really – you get really energized after it, like all fired up, you know, like, wow. Yeah, so that was really fun. So, so, so Pete – Pete is really uh, was that was a fun times and then uh, the next oh and the other thing I was to say he was like so he knows everybody he's like these super connected guys you know and uh, he's like oh I want you to meet this guy and you meet that guy so uh, it's like you know, it's like really exciting you know it's like okay well this you know it's just a lot of opportunity you just shows you how much opportunity there is up there yeah so All if you're in San Francisco you'd be you'd be overconnected it sounds like I think Could it's be. a good thing that you're in Pasadena. Because with all that uh, stimulation, you wouldn't, I mean, you would get nothing done. If you need to throttle it. This yeah. throttles it. Yeah. So the next morning, I had scheduled a breakfast with uh, Jeremy Howard, CTO Gaggle. Right? Mm-hmm. And so he suggests this uh, kind of coffee shop, little place you can get a little bit of breakfast. And he shows up in rollerblades. <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> funny. And so we sat down and talked for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it was a nice. Uh, pleasant conversation and uh we actually got into some part where i was helping him brainstorm like how to solve this problem and uh so it was it was cool you know um and then uh let's see and then i think that then i had then i met taylor norris for dinner how was that was he depressed he's a little depressed a little depressed, a little bit. <laughs> Otherwise, depressed. He's making bank. He's I making bank, and know? it's just rolling in. Well, you know those. Um, I get. You know what? I I I say that, and to be honest, like money obviously isn't everything. So there's lots of things to be depressed about. But I hope he's not. Well, you know, some people they just run at a different level, right? They just kind of <laughs> their their equilibrium is just mild depression. You know, I, I don't know. But he's funny though, right? I feel like I'm on a talk show with him. Like right. like it's it's he's we banter back and forth the whole time. Yeah, he was telling me about how he buys his uh, underwear from this Japanese store. I'm like, so Japanese underwear? I'm like, that's the thing, right? Japanese, like, yeah, yeah, get Japanese underwear. And he's like, show me. They were like, they were like the uh, long johns. Right. I'm like, long johns. Like, why are you wearing long johns? Like, sixty. It's like 55, 60 degrees. He's like, he's like, trust me. You once you go to long john, long john, full length Japanese underwear, you never go back. <laughs> I was like, that's really interesting. I'm like, so what about the briefs? He's like, no, you you, you can't do it. Because they, they bunch up. He's like, you got to go. Just full length. Just full length underwear. So we, It's we, like bloomers. Yeah. I, so that was a crazy conversation. But yeah, he's he's doing well. And uh, <laughs> and then um, and then, so that was uh, Thursday. So um, Friday was really interesting. Um, so CJ, our intern at Catalyst Academy... Our, uh, our our helper, he left a few weeks ago to move up to San Francisco to to take Catalyst class. 
which he paid like $15,000 to participate in. To learn how to be a, a coder, basically... Professional it's level. It's like professional level boot camp to, to, to get you from zero to hero in three months. Yes, exactly. So he... Um, he, he, he left, and on his last day, he, he bought donuts for the kids. And the kids still talk about that every week. I didn't get my donut. I'm like, well, you weren't here. That was the class. Dude, that was like four weeks ago. We know you didn't get your donut. <laughs> Justin ate your donut. That's where your donut hey, is. That's not true. <laughs> you know, the, pro- well, the funniest part about the whole thing is you and uh, CJ just can figure out why the kids were just so crazy. Like, yeah, the kids just don't seem to be paying attention. They're just really crazy today. Oh, because they just had two donuts. I'm like, you guys, amateurs. Fucking <laughs> amateurs, dude. I mean, like, you give the kids donuts, they're not going to. What do you think is going to happen? Right. Like, all oh, right. So anyway, he goes up. CJ goes up, and he's participating in uh, Cattle's class, which we'd speculate, like, where did they get that name? Did they get it from Cattle's Academy somehow or whatever? And, you know, we've obviously talked in past shows, like, would that model work? Six days a week for three months, 12 hours a day. You know, could you... A lot of cash, though. You know, 10, 20 students playing 15 grand. Nice. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, um, CJ emailed me and he says, Hey, um, um, when do you come up to San Francisco? I can't remember if he said if I was coming to San Francisco or I emailed him about grabbing lunch or something. Because, you know, I, I mentioned that when I come up, when I came up next time I would. And so, but he's like, Hey, you know, would you, uh, would you up for up for coming by catalyst class and, and giving a talk. My God, sure. I, I get, yeah, why not? Right. Or, or maybe just coming by or something. I can't remember what he said. And then I get an email from, um, Sean Dross, who's the, I think, I don't know if there's multiple founders, but he, he was like the main guy, at least there when I was there. Right. So he was one teaching the class. And so he emailed me and he's like, Hey, you know, Hey, would you come on and give a talk? And he's like, you know, um, you know, just let me know which, you know, which one to give a presentation about or need slides and stuff. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come by. And I go, but I'm not really a presenter. I'm kind of a storyteller. <laughs> That's really my thing. Yeah. And I said, so how about I just come by and uh, I'll offer up a few stories in the in the, in the, the class can pack. I said, I can talk about um, how I screwed up my Google acquisition. <laughs> I can talk about my uh, trials and tribulations in high-frequency trading. I can talk about, uh, you know, how I built, you know, the, the Uber, how the, the story of the Uber architecture and how that came to be. Um, talk about what it's like to teach eight to 11 year old kids how to code, you know, um, you know, whatever. I can talk to my first startup pre-web, that kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, come by. So I, um, I walked over there. I went on Wednesday afternoon. I didn't do any preparation. I'm just still more over there thinking like what I want to say. And so I just kind of started off and I kind of, they had, it was really nice. I had a big, like this one big room. How many students? That's probably around 20-ish, yeah. 25, something like that. But Pete, Kim said he wanted to come listen. So he came and he brought two of his engineers from my nice. behalf. Okay. So those, those three guys were there as well. And uh, there might have been a few other people there who weren't students. Um, and so it was a pretty pretty packed And are they room. also like checking maybe for potential future employees kind of thing in the 20 students? I don't know if he – that wasn't his purpose. Right, he, yeah. Pete said he wanted his engineers to meet me. So mm-hmm. um, he just invited them to mm-hmm. come listen to the talk. And so um, – yeah, and so it was one of those, it was like a big room, kind of brick walls, high ceiling, and then they have all, every desk, like, it looked like they had like double monitors or something. I can't remember. It was like just a pack full of rooms with computers. And uh, so I, I start off and I just, t- I know, I give a little background on who I was and, you know, what I did. And uh, then I said, I said, I got a couple different stories. I said, how about I start with the Uber 
how the Uber architecture came through and everyone kind of like eager nods. Like we wanted to hear about that because everybody knew about Uber and, you know, yeah. telling the funny story about how that came, came to be. And, um, <clears throat> which I think I've talked about on the show. We'll have to put that out of the catch up, I guess. Is something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then I after that, after that was done, I said, how about, how about I tell you about Catalyst Academy? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's when uh, Sean and I go, and I go, I don't know. And the first, when you guys first came out Catalyst class, I got a bunch of emails going, dude, they stole your name. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and when I said, I think you guys thought about it, it just was, it was just coincidental. I was like, yeah, yeah, we just thought it was a great name, you know. So, and I, so I went on and I, and I told the story of Catalyst and was I in the story? Yeah, of course. I, I always give you credit, you know, my crazy. I mentioned my, yeah, I mentioned my <laughs> partner in crime and my co-host and everything. And, um, and so, I mean that. I mean they. They really. I think they really found the Uber story interesting. But the Catalyst Academy story just lit it up. I mean they just loved it. I mean. But what aspect? Like what? What? what I mean. I mean. They thought it was very funny. They thought it was really inspiring. They thought it was a super cool idea. Like this idea of teaching kids. Well, you know, it's just the idea of teaching kids coding. But it's not just coding. Like I want to teach them robotics and electronics. I want to get into like I mean, we can even do physics and, uh, you know, game theory. And, uh, you know, we can do cryptography. We can do all kind of cool stuff to win so they can program. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it's like almost like project polymath. And the idea of like being a club soccer kind of thing, but for science and technology, right? And that idea of like, you know, year round and getting in and doing all this stuff and talking about, you know, what we learned, like the, mis- the mistakes we made about the space or not having an integrated development environment or having to explain things five different ways and the importance of using points and games and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they just, um, it, it was down great. Well. It was, what's that? It went down well. Yeah, I, th- I thought it would great. I mean, it was very similar to how I gave that talk at that Ruby uh, conference or meetup about, um, and I told the stories about uh, the Google acquisition, didn't the you? Google, a little bit about the high frequency trading stuff, a little bit about you know you could be you could get like uh, another kind of side income as a raconteur. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> just need to learn to drink. That's all, you know. Because right. as a raconteur, you have to have a glass of wine. You know, is that right? Yeah. Well, because that's it. You know, it's you're you're standing there recanting your story with a glass of wine in your hand. That's the whole point. Yeah. I would just have like a fake alcohol, like non-alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking. I mean, I I love doing it. And I thought the talk, the original talk I gave at that Ruby conference went really well, but this was, you know, a whole, whole level better because I didn't have any, I had a little bit of the jitters in the first one, not a lot, but a little bit. And, you know, I just, I knew how to do it and it was kind of fun to do it. Like there's no slides, there's no computer, it was just me talking. And did you um, talk to any of the guys there? Like, Yeah. Well, so afterwards, and of course, there were, you know, a few of them gone, everyone, you know, not everyone, but, it, you know, number one, come up and talk and, and yeah. ask you some more questions. And, that, you know, that was really cool. And so what's the deal with Catalyst? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I didn't have much time because we, we you know, we kind of, you know, we ran out of time, right? It was like, you know, they had to start the next, you know, get the class going, right? They had to get back to work because it okay. was one hour and he's like, all right. Oh, what time of day was this then? One forty-five. We went from one, we went from one forty-five to like, you know, uh, 2.45. Okay, right. So, so you were like an, inter- you were the interlude. In between the work, you were like the intermission entertainment. They did, yeah. So I did like a little, a little over an hour talk. Nice, great. And then um, Sean was really cool. Came on, you know, and we're we're gonna uh, you know get together, grab some dinner next time I'm up there because I want to hear all about Catalyst class. But he sent me an email about the stuff they were teaching him, and uh, it just sounds like they're making a lot of progress. It's really cool. That's great. So I had a I, I had it. a blast, and uh, it was cool. Up Pete came, and uh, yeah, it was super fun, super fun. So then um, I Pete goes. When we were at Wednesday night, you know, I, I, you remember I mentioned he said that, um, he said, uh, yeah, I want to introduce you to, to this person or that person or whatever. He like, he's like, you know, you got to come to the holiday party for Cambrian Genomics. 
on Friday. Are you on Friday? I'm like, yeah. And I, and I knew who Cambrian Genomics was because of our, you know, or at least my sort of research into synthetic biology and our interview with genome comp- with uh, with Omri from Genome Compiler and Kahal Garvey and, and and everything. So I'm like, yeah, they're like the 3D printer of life, right? They print the DNA sequences. And he's like, yeah, the guys are amazing. They're also in the same incubator, the alchemy. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. That sounds really cool. And so, um, so we went over there. And uh, on Friday night, uh, my, my flight wasn't until 1045, so I had a little time to go over. So, and I brought Amos with me. Amos is, uh, Amos is like, he's really sharp coder. He's like their, I think he's like their best young guy. Uber, right? Yeah, he Uber. works, at, he, he's black ops, right? Like he works yeah. on, he works on <laughs> the core, core um, uh, dispatch stuff. He's doing a lot of the implementation of the grid stuff that he and I architect together. Yeah. And uh, architected together. So I brought him with me and... Uh, you know, I was like, hey, well, you know, just come along. This is probably pretty cool. And uh, so we get a little tour from Austin, who's the founder. I mean, it was a, there was probably 30 or 40 people in the party, and there was like a little catering and everything. And so, but we get a little tour of the lab they have. And it's like real tech, right? Not just a bunch of laptops and stuff. I mean, like lasers and you know, cool tech, not oscilloscopes. I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. And uh, so um, he was showing me how he was talking about the first, the, 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 um, how they created the first living cell, the uh, first artificial organism. Um, and there was a lot of press about that. You know, Craig Ventor, uh, Ventor and his group of synthetic genomics down in uh, San Diego, how they had designed this cell or this uh, organism. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, yeah, a friend of his was the one who actually constructed it based on their designs. Right, because they actually had to use, I mean, you know, this sort of <laughs> industrial scale lab work to actually put the pieces together, mm-hmm. and of the DNA sequence anyway. So he said he showed me the tray. I forget they call them. I forget, I forget the term he used. He said, "You know how much it was? It took three of these trays to some for the to, to hold all the DNA sequences, and then each one cost three hundred eighty-four thousand dollars. Each one of these trays." to to you know to to do and he's like so that 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 organism costs about a million dollars now when you say a tray i mean what does that a mean? tray like this little thing that holds like has lots of little um little mini um i don't know they just it, it holds lots of, i don't know it just it's something it's like let's th- think about the size it, of it, a, it holds a little, gen- like an ipad mini size of an ipad mini and it holds lots of little uh genetic material genetic material let's just right so so it's a tray that holds genetic material and somehow that gets combined together to create the synthetic organism. The actual like, DNA. So it's, it's almost like having printer ink. It's something the like tray's that. kind of like the, the ink. Yeah, I don't know enough tray. about it, but the other components, the, 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 it, it sort of whatever. So the the point is, it was three hundred eighty four thousand dollars. He's like, after he's like, you know how cheap we can do it for? How much we can do it for? And I'm like, what? Three dollars. At <laughs> <laughs> like six orders of magnitude. That's amazing. More efficient. Um, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's just a complete game changer. Um, so we've been talking about three D printing. Yeah, be a big deal. And I was like, you know, you guys need to ride on that PR scene. You know, to talk about you know, three D printing is cool, but we're printing life. Yeah, and, that's incredible. Uh, so they're they're really taking off. So when I first walked in there, you know, who was sitting there? Jeremy Howard from Kaggle. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at me like, what are you doing here? Like, are you like uh, stalking me? He's kind of just quizzical. Like, I look at his. Did he have his roller, rollerblades on? No, he wasn't rollerblades. Well, it turns out he's an investor. In uh, in of Cambria. course, of and course. I go, yeah, I go. That was a hard, tough investment, right? He's like, yeah, it was kind of obvious. <laughs> Invest in them. So I go, um, 
I, I talked to him, I, you know, and I talked to Jay. Oh, when I walk up there, he kind of he was asking me why I was here. And I, I can't joke him. I said, well, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, and three times, but three times is enemy action, <laughs> which is a line from, I think it was Goldfinger when, uh, like, the, the wealthy bad guy keeps seeing James Bond show up. <laughs> <laughs> Sees him for the second time, like, twice is coincidence, but three times is enemy action. <laughs> yeah, so he, yeah, so we, we were joking around a little bit. And um, he, uh, so then I, I you know, I, I was explaining what Kaggle is to Jer- to Pete Kim, Peter Kim, and I said, you know, you got, you need to talk to Jeremy about doing a competition or either open or close based on what you're doing. And so he's like, yeah, it's awesome. So I introduced them, and they had a big powwow, and That's stuff. Cool. so that was pretty cool. Oh, and the other thing I did is I met with uh, on Thursday. I forgot to mention this on Thursday afternoon. Um, I met with um, was it Thursday or Wednesday? Wednesday. I don't know. I am losing track of the days. Um, it was, um, uh, yeah, what day was it? I can't remember the day. Anyway, it was, uh, James, um, uh, Thomas, who is the director of research uh, uh, for, uh, Headlands Technology, the high frequency trading shop mm-hmm. that my buddy Ken Dye works at. Yeah. So I brought Amos along for that. So I was like, I'm going to show you the world of what high frequency trading is like. <laughs> so we sat over in the ferry building talking about, you know, the world of high frequency trading and how you develop models and how that stuff works. And, you know, it sounds like you had a lot of fun, jam packed time. It was, it was, uh, it was fantastic. You know, I, I was kind of like on a high, mm-hmm. like I couldn't sleep because I was so close, so amped up. I didn't go to sleep till one and there one 30, I'm still waking up. So I, I was had like a headache for a couple of days. Cause I was so like, my brain was so overloaded with ideas and energy and just, oh, I know that really. so I mean, I'm going to make an effort now every time I go up there to set up, you know, times to talk to people. So or meet people for dinner or lunch. I'll go and I'll I email Sean. Dross how how long do you go up for? What, a couple of days? Two three days. days. So we'll be all day, uh, you know, flying Tuesday, late Tuesday night, fly back late Friday night. Maybe I could find an excuse to go up there sometimes. Sure, you should. And we'll do it. Like, we'll just hang out. Well, you know what you could do is you could just, uh, you could come up there and, um, I was just thinking bring Georgie for the day, but then she'd be bored of the night. So maybe that'll be yeah. a good idea. Maybe you just shoot up yourself. I mean, you know, get a yeah, flight. I mean, fun. if you, if you do a reserve a flight more than two weeks advance at LAX, it costs like 150 bucks. Yeah, that's nothing. It's nothing. I could do my work. I mean, it doesn't matter where I am to do the work. So yeah. that could be fun. Yeah, I should. And, and and right now, actually, the time to go is like the winter. Yeah. The the um the the hotels are cheap. I, I stayed at this like really nice. The Park Wyndham Hotel was like one hundred thirty bucks a night. So. so um okay cool well that's that's the San Francisco section of the show. One last thing I want to say about it. All right, all right. <laughs> Pete Kim. So after I, I was walking back with with Pete and his two engineers from the talk. Um, cause their office is near the Uber office. And we're walking back and he's like, you know, this cattle stuff is so awesome. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to buy you guys a Mindstorm. Cause I told him. Oh, no about, way. Yeah. I was like, that's really cool. Cause I told him, I said, you know, we got, I was, when I was telling this about this class today, we got two Mindstorms, but I think we needed a couple more because, you know, we, we need at least, we need at least one for two kids and we get like 10, 12 kids. So we need five or six probably ultimately. Okay. So, uh, Jason's talking about the catalyst now that our catalyst mm-hmm. teaching the kids. So we're starting to work with robots, my, uh, Lego Mindstorms. Yeah, we can bring that in. I forgot I should probably bring that in. That should be our next jump off topic. Yeah, let's okay. let's do it. So I decided to yeah. So but Peter Kim decided said he would buy, and so he's just smell. He's just gonna. He's just so gonna, he's giving us a mindstorm. That's fantastic. He's just, just send a. He's just gonna buy it on Amazon and have it yeah. shipped to shipped to me, which is really cool. So what's your what's your ultimate goal with the mindstorms? Like, how do you want that to work in the catalyst? Well, you can uh, program these robots using uh, what's called not quite C. It looks like the language C. Now, when you say robots, right, Mindstorm are kind of, it's not exactly an assembled robot. It's like robot bits. 
Yeah. So it's like sensors, touch sensors, light sensors, sound sensors. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then motors to move around the place, which you, and you can basically, it's got some like master CPU controller that you can program and tie all that stuff together. Right. And make a robot out of it. Right. 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 But uh, what, what kind of robots can you make out of it? What kind of thing can you do? All kind. I mean, they have like all kind of different, I mean, you know, it's your imagination is your only limit. I mean, or right, but if, for example, they couldn't like walk along with they legs. Do. They do. They have one, they have one robot that can walk with legs. They have one, it's like the huh. crocodile, the alligator crocodile robot. And that was one Colby had built before it. And then there's the one that's on wheels. There's a so, three like. So we're stock. getting the small, the wheels ones to start off. With. No, we have all, you can build all three. They're just whichever whichever one you build. They have enough parts to build any of the three. Okay, but when it's walking along, it doesn't like have gyros to like make it balance. It's because it's got big feet, kind of thing. Probably. Okay, I haven't built right. that one yet. Yeah. Okay. So my idea is that, um, well, a couple things. I want to. You want to mix things up. Yeah. Right? You, you, you don't want to get too repetitive, I don't I don't think. I think that's always a mistake. They kind of get lazy and we just do the same thing. Because the kids at some point might just get kind of bored. Like, if they, if they like programming, after a while it just becomes like the same old thing. It's like, even if the kids like playing baseball or basketball, at the end of the season, they're kind of like ready to move on, mm-hmm. done with the season. Like, let's do something different. Yeah. And I think that same goes for, for this group. I mean, you know, we we can do programming for, for only so long. I'm, I'm worried that we only do it for so long before the kids just are kind of start to want to do something else. And I yeah. said, you know, if we if we start introducing some robots, then we can do some we can play with them and, and program them, and then we can jump back to the programming and we can move around. So um, the the Mindstorms the kits have a um, they have software where you can use like a drag and drop programming environment. Yeah, which is probably good just to start, just because you can get to know how these things function. Okay, but it does both, so you can directly interface with it using something like C, but then you've got a drag and drop. Right. Awesome. And I just got a book. I just got um um, I got and I got a second uh, another book uh today about uh, there's two, uh, two books. One is on programming in that drag and drop library uh, yeah. language, and the second is how you connect Mindstorm and, and these Technic Legos up with Arduino boards. Oh, so what that would mean is is that. It wouldn't be connected to your computer. It would be independent, and it can kind of go around the, the room on its own. Right. Awesome. Well, Mindstorms can do that, too. Well, you program it, and it downloads. You wrote, write the program in either the drag-and-drop language or in C. It compiles it, and then it d- sends it over Bluetooth to the... Uh, oh, so why do you need the Arduino? What does that bring you? It's just, uh, just a different set of capabilities and different environment, you know, okay. different stuff. Yeah. Just to mix it up. And then I figure once we're doing Arduino on, on, that, uh, on the robots, then we can do... Other things with Arduino, and then we can segue into doing some electronic stuff. What kind of things are, pe- are people building with Arduino? What, what what are they using that for? I don't know. Kind of, anything you can think of a microcontroller for. You connect anything you can connect a little computer up with. Robot. So like it's it, it, does it have the internet on it? Like does it, it have? Can, it's yeah. got Linux. Like there's some like an, another comp- sort of a competitor or alternative to the Arduino board is the is something's called ra- the Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi. So is is it, with the Arduino you can kind of create the Internet of Things? Is it that kind of concept? Yes, you could. Right, right. I believe okay. you could. Yeah. And so someone was uh, a week or two ago, they're like, hey, I'm serving this website of my Raspberry Pi and hit the front page of Hacker News and it didn't crash. <laughs> so I mean it's just sort of like it's just a, it's a very they're pretty competent little microcontrollers and you know, it's just a matter of what you can think to do with them. And I think, you know, some people, just like any time you get a new technology, most people can't think of anything to do with it. But then so a few people come along and think of some very clever, interesting things. I remember the phase when someone started using Mac minis for cloud-balanced hosting, hmm. right? So now I'm guessing the next thing is rather than having a rack of Mac, Mac minis, you have like a thousand Raspberry Pis in a yeah. little rack. 
Yeah. Yeah. He could. That's he really that, that, good. Yeah. I mean, one of the coolest demonstrations I saw was a, uh, was the world record holding, uh, Rubik's cube solver that was built using four Mindstorm, uh, bricks. You know what? You could build a very cheap version of Akamai with Raspberry Pi's because Akamai's like basically what it does is you, you know the way Akamai works, right? I mean, it's like a CDN, right? Can, can, it's kind it, of like it's it's like a CDN, but it's like a move. It's like a moving CDN. So if you're pulling in when you when you put your uh, website on Akamai, it like it moves copies of it around the world to, to it kind of is always monitoring where the traffic's coming in from, mm-hmm. and it will move your whole website to the, the plate. You know, it'll, okay. it'll copy it right there. So you could do that with Raspberry Pi. And just a thought. Yeah, well, it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's cool stuff, and I think, but you know, it's kind of an open board. The kids can see it. Yeah. They can see the circuits. They can see the 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 the, um, the integrated circuits, and as well as the resistors and, yeah. and capacitors. It's like, and then you could say, okay, hey, let's segue into doing building circuits ourselves and using some of the software on the web, like Upverter or Circuits.io, and I don't know. I mean, I just I want to bring it all together and keep keep kind of. You know, so this is what we're going to be learning. And I say we because I think I'm going to be learning. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be learning too. I All mean, right. I had the book this morning. I was kind of reading through like the Arduino <laughs> stuff. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. So, um, but I think, and, and, to, and the catalyst thing, I, I the session before last, you and I both got a little depressed because it didn't seem like the kids were remembering stuff that we thought they had mastered uh, two months earlier, right? We were remember we we both were like, man, right? Yeah. But then the yes, the last class they nailed it. Well, you know what? It's funny because. And this is a funny story, because basically we were supposed to start working with the microcontrollers. What are they called again? The, the Mindstorm. The Mindstorm. But Jason forgot the batteries. No, I had the batteries, but they died. I don't know. Okay. If we, but we, we, the, the batteries died, and all of a sudden. So Jason leaves and leaves me with the kids. So I've got <laughs> the kids for half an hour, just me and the kids. I had them learning in that half an hour. I was focusing on functions, focusing on variables. But by the time you came back in, every kid in the room had gone through the fun, and they really, really got it. Especially what Melanie is it? Uh, Natalie. Natalie, yeah. She, I mean, she's what third grade? She's eight. Yeah, she's she third. is eight. She had it down better than the eleven, twelve-year-old kids. Yeah, she understood functions deep. deep and deep. just get a sense, these eleven-year-old kids, you know, like one of them, for example, is in seventh grade and he's eleven. He skipped a grade. <laughs> and this is at Poly, which is one of the most elite private schools around. Yeah, and these are bright kids. And Natalie just smoked everybody. Actually, it was so funny because. I, I, what I did was I had written a function on the board uh-huh. and I put two inputs into the function. So like input A and input B. And then I showed, this is how you write the function. This is how you use the function. So I was saying to each kid, okay. And, and inside the function, I just did like A times by B, mm-hmm. right? Plus a thousand or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I would say to one kid, I would say, okay, look, I'm putting numbers two and numbers four into this function. What's it going to, what's it going to print? What's X going to equal? Mm-hmm. And the kid was like, uh, you know, they'd be like, uh, and, and Natalie was going, this is so easy. I want to bang my head against the wall. This is so easy. <laughs> and the other kids were like really scratching their head. And she was going, come on, come on. She was getting so frustrated that they didn't know the answer. She was going, it's 1,050. Of course it is. <laughs> I know. And it's so funny. But, you know, at the end, they all got it. They, they all did. Got they did. It. They it all, all got it She down. got it first. And yeah. then everyone else got it. And then I explained a raise to everybody. Remember yeah, that? arrays I, that they got that. Got every and, and and I made everyone come up to the board and walk through it with me. I'd ask them questions. Okay, now what's this? Now if I do this, what's this? Now if I do that, what's yeah. the answer? And uh, they all got it. I mean, well, that's the thing. They were they were when yeah. I was giving the talk about it up at Catalyst class, and they were asking like, well, how are you able to teach this? I mean, is it the eight year olds or eleven year olds? I mean, is there a difference in how they learn? And I said, you know, to be honest, 
the eight year old, the eight year olds are just as capable of learning as 11 year olds. Yeah. As the same book illustrates, you know, I mean, assuming they're all focused and, you know, are, yeah, I mean, assuming they're pretty bright kids and they're focused and they want to do it. And, and, but a lot of it comes down to coming up with very clear, simple explanations. And like sometimes we screw up and we explain something and it just, just fails. Like it doesn't make any sense to any of the kids. And then you come up with something that extends to like two or three of them and then you got to try three or four different ways of explaining things, right? I mean, we come up with stuff and sometimes yeah. it just is like, this is not getting through. They just look at you with a weird look. Like I, you know. The two big things to get functions across was A, drawing a pipe mm-hmm. and, and putting the name of the function on the pipe and saying something goes in and something comes out, mm-hmm. right? That was the one thing. And then the second big thing that really clicked before them was, this is how you write it. This is how you use it. And then changing and seeing the effect. Yeah, seeing the effect each time. Yeah, that, was a, that was a very good idea. This is how you write it. This is how you use it. Yeah, that was very good. Because other, otherwise they wouldn't know. Oh, what are, you know, how do they relate? Yeah. 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 So. That was very cool. It was, so it's is sort of down, as is, is, is down as we were a week ago. Yeah, we were. This week we were like, all right, yeah, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> this is fun. They all got this. But, you know, the one thing that I absolutely have to get done this weekend is the points. The kids... Are they're really, going for it. They're really frustrated that that, that you know. I mean, the, the, they the, say it like the, as soon as you walk through the door, they say, "Have you got the points yet, Jason? No. Have you got the point?" <laughs> like <laughs> they're really disappointed. Like yeah. I want the points. Well, I made the I made the critical you know rookie entrepreneur error, which you start announcing features before you do them. No, that's no. We but in in very early shows, we said that's good because then you're kind of uh, beholden to hit that deadline. Yeah, but then if you don't get it done, you like the your users never let you forget it, and they're on you. Yeah, that's so true. So they are just been on me about that, and so I thought I could buy the. I thought I could kind of bribe them with the mindstorms. <laughs> well, no, because they, they, their expectations set right. They've been doing a certain thing all those weeks, and they were dying to get the points because they they want to prove that they're better than the other kids. Yeah, they just it's a game. They yeah. just and and a lot of them want to work on it at home. Yeah, you know, and which the, they will be able to do with the new yeah. thing. Yeah, and the other thing, one of uh, one of our listeners, I. I I don't know if you could look them up on our our, our most recent sh- on our previous show. When we look this up, do it, do it. Well, on the blog. Yeah, go to. Uh, if you guys want to program fighting robot tanks, check out fightcodegame.com. Yeah, yeah. So I looked at that. It is so it's like you have a couple of uh, tanks going around shooting each other, and you and you write JavaScript code to control the tanks. Yeah, and that's kind of along the lines of what I want to do. And I saw them like this is so awesome. Yeah. And so I want to get the kids doing this or something like it very soon. Although their site is really um, unstable. I Uh-oh. Mean, let me guess. Just, you want to program and wrote fight code game now? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of where I wanted to go with the, the robot controlling stuff anyway. Yeah. But, you know, there's the, this fighting code stuff, fighting robot stuff, just uh, fightingcodegame.com. It's like uh, I couldn't, the last couple of times I tried to even look at it, it won't work. Well, look, they've got the source on GitHub. So, no, do they? so yeah. we can use that as a base. Maybe. You can use that as a base and fix it in, in the ways that you need to fix it. Yeah. So that would be cool. And that would be a first for you, by the way, which would be really good. I'm I not think. guaranteeing I'm going to use your code. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I think that would be really good for you to try. <laughs> I'll look at it. I'll tell you. I'll give you, I'll get, I'll get, give you that much. So, um, all right. So I guess we should move on to something else. All right. Well, we've got uh, 20 minutes left. So, Okay. Um, let me go to my uh, my notes here. Oh, um, my article, my my my, how, my article or blog post, how I screwed up my Google acquisition, mm-hmm. was featured in the um, in the Wayback Machine version of uh, or edition of Hacker Newsletter. That's and, cool. And they picked a couple of stories from each year, like three years ago or four years ago, three years to you know, like what represented 
Yeah. You know, these are the story, the two or three stories. Yeah, I was, I'm telling you, Entreporn should have been in that list. It should have. So, but that was, that was two years ago. That was, uh, how I screwed up my, my Google acquisition was, uh, was picked out. That was pretty nice. cool. Um, let's see what else did I want to talk about. Um, oh, um, John, uh, Humphrey, who's, uh, one of our listeners, um, he is the guy who got us the domain a n y f o o any foo with yeah. two o's and he just he just he just was able to grab it at some kind of domain auction and gave it to us remember that yeah yeah so really nice guy so i had this other little project that i've been uh, wanting to knock out and um i'm not going to talk about it yet i'll if if i get it released and done then i'll i'll talk about it but yeah. uh, i wanted this domain and it was pending it was in a state of pending delete mm-hmm. and you know, I had read, I had done this once or four years ago to get Prezo, and I know it's kind of tricky, and and uh, things change over the years about like what are the best services to do, and what do you need to do, and and uh, so I emailed him and I said, hey John, you're like the the only domain expert I know. What what should I do? And so he gave me some advice, but then he's like, you know what? I'll just uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just put it in my domain catchers, and I'll try and grab it for you, and I'll just <laughs> give it to you. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I had put a back order on GoDaddy for it already. And that, of course, didn't do anything. It was stupid. And uh, he grabbed it for me and gave it to me. So now I got the domain transferred it over to my account. So <laughs> nice. Very cool. That was this. Wow. So, John, thank you very much. I mean, I've already thanked him by email. I wonder if um, he, that he, that's what he does for business. I mean, I wonder if we should kind of hook him up with some other people who are looking for similar kind of service. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he's at, uh, I think it's domainnoob.com. Yeah. Um, but uh, is his? I think that's his personal website. Um, and he said that he's just... He does. It, he he reserves domains with the idea of making a business out of it, but it hasn't really turned anything major yet, you know. But he's just ideas for things, and but yeah, I mean, he, he's uh, very. It was very helpful. Um, he's uh, it was you know that's one of the I guess the benefits of the podcast is like <laughs> we have a lot of listeners who know a lot of stuff. So and uh, yeah, it was that was really cool. So, but I'm gonna try and get this little project out in the next couple of weeks. Okay, and uh, hopefully have some something to. Uh, Something to show and tell. So, uh, it's a little funny little thing. So, um, Sandy showed me this picture of, um, of she has a video of Colby. And Colby has figured out how to do a backflip off a swing when he's getting off the swing. Like, at a full, like you know when you go full, full height? Like, yeah. really swinging high. He will do do a backflip off of it and land on his oh, feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> does that not like make your heart beat as a dad well, the first time i saw him do it i was like what you know first the swing wasn't like he he first just did a backflip off like with the seat with the, with the swing just sitting there right you just kind of grab onto the change of these hands and you kind of do a flip yeah kinda back lift yourself up a little and do a backflip and then he starts doing kind of slowly and then faster and now he's just going way high and he's just like whoop does a backflip lands on his feet it's like this crazy stunt i showed i sent an email to the to uh, dan and M- mitchell the Your two parkour guys my buddies who were stuntmen part and do yeah. parkour stuff and they were he was like that is awesome because <laughs> then colby gets off and he walks to the camera and does this move like yeah like what <laughs> i'll put a link to it i was so funny. you should put that on youtube i i did put it on youtube oh I'll awesome put it, i'll do yeah colby does backflip off the swing or something how do we like find it would we just google yeah, well, let's watch right now do it go to okay. go, go, go to uh go to youtube <laughs> nice that's your kid oh my lord that's funny <laughs> that's cool we were uh we were just watching uh uh this morning Kobe and i were watching a couple episodes of mythbusters yeah 
that's what he wanted to do. He was like, you know, he pulled me. He kind of like, Dad, come on, let's watch Mythbusters together. So we're over there watching Mythbus- Mythbusters and reading through the the Lego Arduino book. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so he's watching Mythbusters when I left. Uh, to uh, I, I went and grabbed lunch before coming over here. And Sandy texts me. She's like, so Colby comes up to me and asks for something really big that we don't use anymore. Hmm. You know, Mythbusters, always blowing stuff up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's oh. like, oh. <laughs> What do we have that's really big that we don't use anymore? She's like, uh, what do you want to do? Some CRT monitor or something. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's see. Oh, I saw something where, um, so Elon Musk, uh, and, and they got their first Air Force contract. Yeah, I They're saw SpaceX. that. So, and, but that's SpaceX. That doesn't have an SpaceX. impact on Tesla shares, right? No, no. Yeah. But how are Tesla shares doing anyway? Oh, let's take it up. What is Tesla doing? Oh, you got it. Oh, you got it hooked right into your iPad. No, you there. just type in. T-S-L-A, and we can find out what the... 3381. Yeah, it's nice. You, you've already made some cash on that. Ah, a little bit. I what mean, did this, you buy it? Well, I bought, I bought, I bought, I bought, I bought it? it a couple different at 20, 28, 31, and 34, something huh. kind of range. But, you know, it's like this is the 10-year 10, 10 play, 10-year, 15-year yeah. yeah. investment. This isn't the three-week trading scalping thing, you know. But, so, uh, yeah, so you're just saying about SpaceX, um, they got that contract, and, well, what could you say? That's freaking awesome. Yeah, so they have, like, they, they, the way the contract works is, like, if it's sort of like a tryout. Like, they have two, they're going to take two different types of satellites up, and if they can get both of those up into where they, where they need to be, then they'll be in a position to bid against, I think, it's something like United Launch vehicles or so there's this one launch company that has like a stranglehold on all yeah. air force launches and so they'll be able to be in a position to compete for those so let's see what else do we got oh you know there's this one article uh that some guy wrote he's like how you really founders shouldn't be coders they shouldn't build the product they should like it's impossible to do both that doesn't make sense it's, just off like, the yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely hard to do both but it's very possible. I mean, it's just so funny how these people have, like, they extrapolate beyond themselves. Like, I can't do it, or I find it hard, so then people shouldn't do this. Like, general advice for everybody. It's just ridiculous. So many examples of people who have, have built products and built companies around them by themselves. I think it's the, I almost think it's the opposite. Like, it's better to be able to do the opposite so that you can really prototype it and think through it as the customer. I mean, I, I think that's a good I think, think there's a lot of examples of, um, of uh, coders who built products and then just were, were unable to kind of put together put it together as a business. Yeah, you know, I think there's plenty of examples of that, but there's also plenty of examples of a couple of people getting together and having an idea, and because it was two people, one person wasn't committed or they just couldn't agree on stuff, that nothing happened. And I think that there are pluses and minuses about single founders versus two or three founders, and. You know, I would like to see the evidence behind it, like which tend to be more successful. And I think a lot of it depends on the age and the kind of product they're building and the kind of technical expertise they have and ultimately the kind of personality they have. I mean, Paul, um, Paul Graham has very much pushed the non-single single founder. Um, and he, But he quotes his own empirical evidence about what's happened at YC as part of his belief about that. Well, ultimately, it was a prejudice that came before he started Y Combinator. I mean, it was, I think even before he did that, they weren't into it. And I think it was because his ex- personal experience um, with uh, whatever the shopping, shop building company he sold to Yahoo was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like three of them or something, right? Yeah. So he was extrapolating beyond that. Wow, I couldn't have done this by myself. But there's, you know, we know tons of people personally have done that. We know people, you know, like plenty of fish guy, you know, the guy did that. I mean, you know, there's tons of examples of people who built 
products and become successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's probably easier to raise money if you have multiple people. There's things like that. I mean, maybe maybe for 75% of the people, it's better to have multiple founders. But there might be 25% of the people that they're better off just doing it themselves. Yeah. And owning it themselves and just building the core and then hiring and outsourcing the pieces that they can't do. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of uh, a lot of reasons to do that, and I don't know. I just I guess I'm so irritated with all of these articles that come on um, Hacker News, like "Don't do this" or "Stop doing this" or whatever. Like, I'm like, dude, you've been doing this for like six months or like a year, and you're like giving all this like, you know, like hard and fast rules. Like, just this is how things work. <laughs> this over extrapolation about an over generalization. Like, this applies to everybody. Yeah, you know, I found this hard. Don't do this. And it's so. This is so tiresome. Well, that reminded me of an article that uh, I don't know whether you saw this on Hacker News. Uh, what Fred Wilson and the VCs don't get about advertising. Mm, I started reading them, but I didn't get a chance to finish it. So you know how um, VCs just will regularly basically poo-poo on the advertising revenue model. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we're looking for something different. We're looking for a market like Airbnb or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think the guy, the guy had an interesting, uh, interesting point. He pointed out three kind of fallacies about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fallacy number one. There's, there's, you know, loads of really bad inventory out there, and, and mm-hmm. the price is going down, 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 and and for advertising, and it's that's true in one sense, but in another sense, there's there's premium verticals, you know, like Forbes.com or whatever. I mean, they're always going to get great advertising. So it just depends. It's just like anything, like, you know, you can get development done for two dollars an hour, or you can get development done for hundred dollars. <laughs> it's just like that. And that's right, it. right. Um, and then another fallacy was saying, yeah, but you, you know, the only advertising player you can make is if you get so huge, you've got to be like Twitter. Yeah, right. right. And that's just not true as well because it's a, it's a, it's a CPN based. Well, it depends, you know, it depends on, like, on, the, on the kind of return you're trying to get. Yeah, for maybe for a VC funded company, you need to be that big to get that, make that much money for advertising that they're going to be happy. Yeah. But you could easily make a, a company that makes hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year that would make an amazing small business. Um, or successful small company that yeah it's not going to be it's not going to interest it's not going to be of interest to Sequoia or Kleiner Perkins yeah but that's yeah. what they're speaking from so you always that's, whenever you give people advice you always have to look and go okay why yeah, are what's they their saying perspective this? right so so the other the other thing you know so he, he he's saying this is fallacy number three but I'm not sure it's a fallacy but he okay. basically he's saying advertising isn't exciting compared to all those other consumer business models but what what he's the way that he's trying to say it's a fallacy is well actually if you look at Zynga I mean not doing too great, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you look at Groupon, not doing too great, right? All you know, all those really cool mm-hmm. models aren't doing too great. And there's, you know, Airbnb has its issues or whatever. And he's just saying basically, advertising is the oldest revenue model there is, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, on the web, anyway. Uh, well, on the web, and and it's existed. Well, the oldest business, it's existed the oldest for profession thousands. is something else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but adver- but advertising has existed for thousands of years. I mean, it's it's a thing that everyone every business needs to do. I mean, it's not going anywhere, is it? I Has mean, advertising existed for? Th- I don't think it's existed for thousands of years. Advertising is probably. I wonder. Well, newspapers first came to be what? And uh, well, I mean, basically, 17, advertising 18, is promotion, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, when did they start promoting? I mean, did, I don't think they were. They, they have. What did they do in ancient Rome? They didn't really have corporations. They just had shopkeepers of various kinds and and people who were who were traders, right? People would travel on a trade. So I don't think they had advertising. Well, if they had one person, right, who basically went somewhere away from the business and said, "If you go over there, you can do this." That's it advertising. Be, yeah, I know, I'm just nitpicking anyway. But thousands of years sounded like the you know, like you know, the, the the Hittites and the the Syrians were doing this, you know. But um. I think that Google, for example, has made a lot of money from advertising, and I know that that's a very specific play, and they've kind of captured the whole market. But I'm just saying that 
I agree that there is a, there's there is potential. Although I myself don't particularly like that model. Well, you know, I, you know it's like it's like just like I was saying about the single founder advice. I mean, there's just there's so many ways to succeed. There's so many type of bu- different business models, types of businesses, scale of businesses that you know these these general statements are not the kind of then these, these aren't the kind of generalities that are like well it's ninety five percent true yeah these are like sixty percent true sixty eight percent true you know it's like okay yeah there's a lot of people that wouldn't be true for you know the single file a lot of people who make money off a lot of companies that make money off advertising there's a lot of people who start single or single founder companies yeah your odds may be better on average if there's two people but depending on who you are where you're located what your skill set is what your drive and focus is like how much free time you have you know whether you're a fin- we're the kind of person who just is good at finishing things and getting stuff done yeah single founder might be good advertising like you said you might have a particular kind of business that you're able to uh, to get the kind of traffic to, to make advertising work. I mean, it's just, so I, I think anytime you hear these kinds of debates, you really just got to look at your very specific situation. Another nice little link that I saw just to quickly round some stuff up was, um, this was on Hacker News, web and mobile revenue models. Mm-hmm. And so someone had written on hackpad.com, just, I don't know, wow, there's like a hundred different revenue models there, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all the different examples of who are doing that revenue model. So like, for example, any foo is, uh, an excess capacity marketplace, right? Excess capacity, yes. mm-hmm. excess capacity marketplace. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's worth checking out. So just uh, Google web and mobile revenue models, uh, hack and use, and then you'll get into well, that. Speaking of any foo, um, you know, we hired Matt to, Go find some experts for us, but he hasn't done anything yet, right? Not, not yet. Heard anything? No. And I actually, actually, I haven't followed him up on that, so I do need to. Yeah. Well, I was talking about one thing. I was that Pete Kim uh, mentioned to me. He's like, "Well, why do you just have one guy? Why don't I have three people?" Huh? That's a good point, right? I mean, there's yeah. no reason that you have to have one person. That's true. I mean, I was like, I don't know why I didn't think about that. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes like, things are like so obvious they're staring you in the face, but you just uh, yeah. yeah just I mean, if 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 Matt decides that he doesn't have the time or he's too busy working on something else or whatever, you know. Yeah. You know, it doesn't hurt us if you get a couple other people. It's like, okay, well, you know, no big deal. Cool. So but now if, that's good. We just have a brainstorm session about who the right person is. Or yeah. if you're listening to the show and our, our here, we'll just talk, tell the deal or, you know, or actually tell it. Should we tell the deal? What our deal is? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so because I don't want anyone else to hear about it. Who's, right, doing, well, look, who's if, building a similar business. If, if you think that you're, uh, if you think you might be interested, if you're and uh, helping us recruit experts, yeah. And uh, getting, I think, paid pretty well for it. Then uh, send us an email because we want to talk to what we're looking for: people who are, you know, good good communicators. So outgoing, gregarious, and like kind of well, I don't have to over the top gregarious, but just good communicators. You know, they can they can they can talk to people on the phone and not feel weird about it. Someone who doesn't talk quite as much as Jason, but maybe talks a little bit more than me. <laughs> That's <laughs> most of the world, I think. <laughs> and um, who's you know pretty happy. Uh, talking to people on the phone and uh, trying to convince them to become an expert on anything. Right. And uh, I think the, the, the really, the key, one of the key attributes they need to have is just general familiarity with technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know the difference between SQL Server and Python. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can say, they, 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 you know, like the thing that Matt could do is that he, he wasn't a coder himself, but he, he understood what the, what the different, pieces were and what the stacks were like so he could talk about it with clients oh by the way that reminds me have we mentioned that i've been working with udi one of the texting listener 
No, which is I recommended to you because you were like trying to hire some guy at Odesk. Yeah. It wasn't working out. And I'm like, well, why don't you hire? I think it was, I, I couldn't remember who one of our listeners emailed us about wanting to find some long-term contract, well, remote contract yeah. work. And I can't remember who it was. And I said, well, just do a search. I think it was Udi. It was Udi. And um, he's, it's been great working with him. Like he really, he's really good. He's 23, 23, but he started coding when he's like 13. And uh, he's, it's funny, like, you don't have to be old to be kind of knowledgeable and good and have a lot of experience. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you start young enough, you can be really good. So mm-hmm. he's got a, he's got a good head on his shoulders, and it's been it's been great. That's good. So um, you've been working together for what, like a week and a half? A week and a half, and we've we've been basically architecting a very very complicated schema together. Is that coming together? Okay, and it's looking really nice. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so. People send us emails about needing to or wanting to get involved and do stuff can lead to good things. That's right. Um, well, I want to ask you about, you know, you're talking about the advertising model. I mean, um, Uber Media does advertising. That's their primary business model, right? right? Okay, so, th- so there's a difference between me working for a company who's really good at that and me wanting to start my own side project related to that. Okay. So uh, for me, I don't, I don't, the reason why I don't like it, and what I mean is I wouldn't like to start that. I've tried. It, it's never worked for me because I just didn't have the capacity to kind of scale out to all those users and i mean the marketing capacity right. not, not the tech capacity right but uber media have already done it i mean they have that down mm-hmm. i mean right. they're they're already they're already re- they have a 20 million reach already so <laughs> right so they so they can they have the distribution yeah, they have channels. the distribution they can, that yeah exactly and so they so then they just have to think of good ways of maximizing that channel right I and mean, then they, they just have to think of new products that they can then push to their for their people. And then they have yet more of yet a surface more area. People, exactly. More people, So they're just continuing to grow the surface area, yeah. That's cool. So you said you really like working over there, right? I do. I love it. I love the office. I love the people there. Um, it's just great working with people, you know? And you said you've gotten to know Bill Gross a little bit. You've had a few conversations with him. We've had, we've had a couple of conversations, um, yeah. but uh, not, not too much. But he said he's, a, he's, he's really fast- Talker, right? He's one of those guys that's like, he's like, you, you, you got to talk quickly, otherwise he's going to come. He's like, yeah, yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, like, exactly. He's thinking, he thinks fast, he talks fast. Well, it's like he's you were like, talking about your friend, Kim. Kim Pete, 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 Kim. Yeah, Pete. So uh, it's like, you start you start the sentence, and, and he already knows what you're going to say before you finished. So you've only just got to say, and then, and, okay. and then, and then like, he's already like, he's already got it. Yeah. So it's an interesting conversation that way. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'd like to meet him sometime. It'd be, uh, he's always one of those people that I thought would be, you know, Fascinating sure, I'll see if I can set it up. Yeah, make a connection for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Let's see, if make it come together. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> um, but yeah. Well, the other thing I'll say is though, after coming back from San Francisco, I'm just like so fired up. I mean, I'm fired up about Anyfoo. Fired about this other project. I'm fired up about Catalyst. You know, I mean, we you're saw, fired I, up. I am fired up. I mean, I'm excited about. I, I'm excited about the show. I'm like, when I was giving the talk at, at the Catalyst class, they were all like, "So, are you, you going to quit the show? Because, like, you know, when are you going to like?" You know, like build and analyze, which the guy from Instapaper does, Marco Arma, they're, they're stopping in like next week or something. And another show stop. Like these shows keep dropping off. Huh. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, <laughs> we're like at 218, you know, it's like, we haven't stopped yet. I said, I can't almost not do the show because I have to have an outlet. This show isn't going anywhere, unfortunately. For my, I think I'm paying for some <laughs> sin that I've done. It's I have a to release sit here file. and listen to Jason for an hour and a half every week. Well, it's like a release <laughs> valve for me, right? Like <laughs> right. I have to like talk all this stuff through. So, uh, no, yeah. that's good. It's like I think I think I'm like your therapist. I think this is like your therapy <laughs> hour and a half. You yeah. should be paying me. Well, like a lot of people could, you know, they 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 express their ideas in, uh, in as tweets. 
Right. You know, they have like an idea today and they tweet some, but I like have way too many ideas and way too much to say about it. <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of stuff I can't even talk about, you know, which is unfortunate, but, um, you know, uh, hopefully this new project, I'll, I'll get that out and All right. talk about that one a little, have something else to follow along with. And hopefully we can get some, you know, we got to get, get this expert thing going on any mm-hmm. so we yeah. can talk about that some more. So, well, all right, that's a wrap. We're out. 